Bridge is on a gospel-led mission to transform the foster care landscape in Ohio. We're here to raise awareness and empower churches and communities to step into action by supporting vulnerable children and families in their local communities. In this podcast, we'll be shining a light on stories of hope, redemption, and transformation and sharing practical ways that you can step in and get involved. Welcome to Restoried, a podcast by Hope Bridge. Welcome, everybody, to Restoried by Hope Bridge. I'm Brian Troyer, and I get the privilege of interviewing Nicole Bowman today, uh, one of my coworkers here at Hope Bridge. So uh, just wait and see what she has to tell you, and she's got some good stories and uh, her journey into foster care and Hope Bridge as well. So, yeah, Nicole, why don't you start off and uh, tell us about yourself, uh, how you got involved here at Hope Bridge. Thanks, Brian. Um so I am Nicole Bowman. Uh, like Brian said, I have been with Hope Bridge since the beginning. Um, we, I am the foster care uh, director, the program director of foster care here at Hope Bridge. And um, my journey into that, I'll get into a little bit later after I share my story. Um, but honestly, just the way that this all started is something that, you know, as I look back, seeing how the, the seeds were planted as a very young child. Um, I think a lot of times we sit and think about, oh my goodness, how did we end up in this position where now we're recording a podcast on our experience with foster care and our work that we do. But just as a small child, I remember having um, a great compassion for vulnerable children. Whenever I would hear stories of kids who were um, suffering or hurting or starving, um, I just felt this this pull uh, to care for them. Uh, and even though I was a vulnerable child. And so I just think God planted those seeds in my heart. And about nine years ago, my husband and I were dealing with some really heavy things that were happening in our lives. Um, we had recently left a church that we were part of for many years um, after find out, finding out about some abuse that was happening. And uh, we saw this church destroy many lives in our families and friends and a lot of people that we cared for. And so at this time, we just we felt the responsibility of caring for them and um, encouraging our family and our friends. And thankfully, we had a local church that came around us and at this time and stepped in. Um, and then I got the news my dad was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. And um, so we were trying to help care for him. And we just had a lot going on nine years ago. And at the same time, my husband and I were wrestling with the fact we didn't have children of our own. Um, we were married at a very young age, and when we got married, we, had cho- we chose not to have children. We thought we would spend our time and energy serving on the foreign mission field, and that having children would keep us from being able to do that, you know, well. So we went overseas several times. We found ourselves in many orphanages, serving children, and... It was being in these orphanages that I began to see how great my husband was with children. And that desire to have our own family really began to grow in us. So even with all that we were dealing with, you know, with our family nine years ago, the church hurt, the abuse that many of our friends and family had dealt with. My dad was, you know, dying of cancer. Um, There were health problems with my mom and just all kinds of things. We decided that we would 
try to have our own family. And there would be surgeries, uh, medications, waiting. And about after a year, um, we had to make some decisions. Um, you know, your biological clock is ticking. You have in your mind how old you should be when you're caring for children. Um, and so I began to research uh, domestic and international adoption. And in my research, uh, God just kept impressing upon my heart to really define what it means to be a family. Um, I became convinced I could love a child that was not biologically mine. But then he pressed me even further. Would I be willing to love children who would not only be in my home for a short time or who would only be in my home for a short time? You know, could I do that? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I feel like that I could. And I began to look at foster care and I thought how amazing this would be if I could just, we could love children and then love their biological families and be a support to them if they mm-hmm. returned home. Um, and I knew there was a possibility. Yeah, you could adopt through foster care, but you don't go into that with that that end goal in mind. And um, I thought this was like a great plan until I told my husband. <laughs> and, um, he was like, "No way. We are. There's no way I could do that. Um, I cannot love a child and give them back." And I've seen my husband with children. I mean, he would meet them for a short time, become attached, and just struggle. We would leave them, you know, when we leave the foreign mission field. And uh, he gets attached to T-shirts. We always joke. We'd go on vacation and have his favorite T-shirt, and that's all he would wear. And, you know, he just, knowing that I'm asking him to do that, asking him to bring a child into our home and uh, love them was was a big ask. And so I didn't impress it. I knew that if God was calling us to do that, we would do that. So we went to Out to Eat one day. And there was a heart gallery um, at a local restaurant, and it had all the pictures of the kids who were available for adoption that were in foster care. And he looked at those pictures, and it, I think it just really hit home that, like, these are children that he could love, and these children needed a home. And so that, that is the moment that the seed was planted for him. Mm. Um, and we began to, like, pursue checking into foster care. So we signed up for classes, and we went to the first class, and it, like, freaked us out. (laughs) And we walked out of there saying, how could we do this, but how can we not after learning what we just learned, you know? And I think at at the end of all the training we had in our mind when we started, we would be able to take a big sibling group right away, older children, and I, you know— we quickly decided, well, let's start off with one baby and see how this goes. Yeah. So in the meantime, in the meanwhile, we did um, we did do a round of in vitro. Um, I think we had to know for ourselves that that was a door God was closing. Um, that we've done everything that we could do um, to have our own children, um, and I think especially for my husband, I think that was just something he really felt that we needed to do, and coincidentally. We did in vitro um, June, end of May to June 2016. We got our license in June of 2016, Mm. and um, the in vitro didn't work. um, But our first placement came in July of 2016. 
And I can look back now and say, oh, look, like this is why this happened. Mm-hmm. And um, because that first placement that would come to us would be our be part of our forever family. And um, that would be Grayson. But it didn't mean that it wasn't hard to, to go through those losses and the grief that we've gone through. But um, it was just, you know, we got our first placement. He was a 13-month-old boy. We were told he's going home. Dad's doing great. And so, um, you know, I had it in my mind that this was going to be like really quick because I was naive. I thought foster care, you know, (laughs) dad's doing great. He'll be with us for a couple of months. And this is our journey. We're going to practice on this little boy. Um, And I I knew we were in trouble the moment the caseworker pulled into our driveway and um, he was sleeping in the back seat and she opened the door and my husband was right there and he immediately... He reached for my husband. Yeah. Johnny was immediately attached. And this little boy just brought so much joy into our family. And um, But we were determined to do foster care the right way. And, and remember, he had a family. And so we were invited to a family team meeting five days after he was placed with us. And that meeting consisted of um, the biological dad, um, caseworkers, supervisors, um, just the entire team, guarding that litem. And we sat at the table and they invited a biological dad, dad to share his story. Uh, you know, why did, why was his child in care? Share a little bit about his journey, where he was at. And I remember like he was sitting there just crying. He just, you know, he didn't ever expect to lose a child to the system. And, and the stories he heard from other people about what happens to kids in care. Like you could tell that he had been really uh, concerned about the safety of his son. And so they went around the table and different ones introduced who they were. And they got to my husband and my husband um, looked at uh, their dad and he said, "Um, you know, I don't know what it's like not to have the support um, that you, you don't have and what it's like to be in your shoes. But I can tell you today that you've gained a brother and we're here to, to help you and encourage you and protect and care for your son as, as long as we need to. And so that was like a pivotal point in things for us because we really just took on this, you know, like the, our desire to wrap around the biological family and our desire to be a team happened right there. And um, it would be a relationship that we still have that's, mm. you know, um, to this day, that's just been, it's been up and down like any relationship. <laughs> And, um, so, but we became a team and we loved Grayson well, and he was just such a joy. And, um, so we thought after about seven months, we can do this foster care thing. We can do this kid thing, right? We, we have a toddler and we opened our home to allow another, another child to come in. And we received a call that they were going to be bringing another one-year-old little girl to, to come to us as respite. She would only be with us for two months while grandma had some surgeries and well, I can do that for two months. Right. And of course. it was a really like challenging two months to one-year-olds, but I could do two months and then it wasn't two months. <laughs> <laughs> it was longer than two months. And in the meantime, we found out the biological mom of Grayson was pregnant and due to have a baby in October. And I said, that's okay because by that time, the second little girl won't be with us. So I can, I can manage Grayson and a baby. And, um, 
then October came and Cheyenne was born and the second little girl was still with us. And uh, yeah, before you knew it, we had three under the age of three. In a, so hands full right there. In a year and a half. And that was our, our introduction to foster care as a family. And I will say that, again, being very intentional to have a relationship with a biological family was huge for us because even though ultimately um, Grayson and Cheyenne's parents did not reunify and we did adopt them, um, being in relationship with them has taught me a lot about myself and has given my children the opportunity to know where they come from and to know their parents. Um, you know, we just, I think, in 2017, 2019, uh, our second little girl who was supposed to be with us for two months, um, she left us after two years. And actually, Brian... Yeah, this is a fun little fact. The fun little fact for Brian. Um, Brian and Brittany, I met them around the time that they were getting licensed. Mm-hmm. And at that time... Uh, the second little girl's mom was having a baby boy. Um, and if we would have taken placement, that meant we would have had an infant, a newborn, a one-year-old and a two-year-old. And I um, knew that I was not. <laughs> knew your limits. I knew yeah. my weaknesses and my limits. Yep. And I feel like foster care can help you real quickly to to know and learn your shortcomings and inabilities. Um, so I said, hey, there's this family I know of that's getting licensed. They could probably take, you know. Her brother and so yeah your first placement yep our first placement was uh the girl's brother and and yeah yeah was with us for a little over a year so yeah so we're kind of related like i guess so yeah <laughs> they're like uh brothers and sisters i don't know how that works cousins i don't know yeah Cousin, our no. kids are our kids our kids are siblings i'm not sure but yeah we're forever connected through the two that were in our home yep for um, sure yeah. And that was, you know, she left us. My son really struggled. Um, he couldn't understand why did the judge say that we could adopt him and Cheyenne and not her. And I think that was the hardest part of a child leaving was just to watch the grief of my son because he knew her since he was one and now he was three. Um, and, but we didn't have long to kind of like grieve that because a month later, their full biological brother uh, was born. So we, he came to us from the, the hospital and was with us for nine months. And then through a series of events and, um, and through a series of events and then just some issues with the County and their inability to, um, really provide the supports they needed and to do the case plan. Well, he ended up reunifying, um, unfortunately prematurely and, um, we would just watch the family struggle for a, a few years, try, you know, as they tried to raise a child that they weren't quite prepared yeah. to care for because they weren't healthy enough. But I can say today that he's doing well. They are doing the best that I've seen them do. And um, so we Good. still have this relationship. That's just gets more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to share any on that? I mean... It's a little premature, but yeah, yeah I, I think we were asked just recently if we would be the adoptive parents of a child that they're having in February. 
So um, we are no longer licensed to foster, but we're still doing foster care, kind of. Only private kind infant adoption. Yeah. yeah. So you just never know what life's going to throw at you. Uh, Cheyenne is six now and Grayson is eight. Yeah. And so we just got everybody in school and, <laughs> you know, we were um, at the time that um, their brother left us and went back home. I really felt this need to support other families. Well, actually, he was still with us when I had a friend that I was having coffee with another uh, fellow foster mom. And she said, you know, I just, I feel like I need to be with people who get this, you know, like there's no one that understands uh, mm-hmm. what I'm going through. And I think something that I learned while we did foster care was that a lot of people like really think it's a great thing, what you're doing. They mm-hmm. just don't know how to support you, you know, sure. come around and, and they don't understand what you're talking about. They They don't understand why you would, stand by parents who've lost their children. They don't understand why maybe, you know, I don't know. Like there's just so much that no one understands unless you're in this space. And so my friend Norma and I were sitting there and she just said, I need to be with people who get it. Like, yeah, I wish we could find somewhere to go and like a support group. And and so I said, you know what? Forget this. I said, what day, you know, we figured out a day of the month that we knew our husbands didn't have plans, that I didn't have plans. I said, let's do the first Tuesday of the month and come come to my house at eight o'clock at night when all the kids are sleeping. And let's just sit and talk over coffee. And I invited anybody that I knew, whether it was personally or just maybe I've met them once, I would send them a message. If you are a foster adoptive mom, come sit at my table for encouragement. And we just kind of, we kept doing that. It kept growing, you know, into where um, we decided to close our license and I began to serve families, you know, from that, from that one conversation, it grew into a ministry of serving families, foster and adoptive families. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love uh, how your story going from the beginning and where you were in a vulnerable spot, but loving those kids that were around you, but then like continuing and then finding yourself back in that place when you're older and married and just like helping change the story of other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, that's just hearing that story is shine through in our podcast yeah. here called restored and seeing how that plays mm-hmm. out in all these kids' lives. And even in the fam, like the bio family of mm-hmm. your kids, seeing that play out in their lives and how they're on a good track right now yeah. and, and being, more self-aware yeah. Um, and just how beautiful that is. And so I, I love that. Um, how'd you say your perspective has changed in being in foster care and working in this space too? Like how has that changed your perspective on the system and all these things? I, I think we have so many preconceived ideas that um, right. a foster family looks a certain way or, or we, judge the biological families and assume they don't deserve to have their children, you know, and I'll hear these comments now and I cringe, but then I, I have to remind myself, like I was that person probably 10 years ago where, you know, people say like, don't they want their kids or, um, why did they give them up? It's like, well, they didn't, you know, they, they lost them or those people don't deserve to have their children. And I think, getting down and learning the stories of the people who, 
who do lose their children to the foster care system, many times they were that they were the children that yeah. were in foster care years ago. And I, I know there's many times that I'll look at my daughter and she looks her picture like I, I have I've seen her mother's picture at the same age and she looks just like her. Mm. And I'll sometimes just think like that was her like 20 years ago or 25 years ago. You know, that yeah. that was she was this child. She was this child who'd been through many things. And because of those things, um, now she's, you know, in the position that she's in. Um and I often have to remind myself, like, you know, they've been through so much. Uh, now, granted, you know, I always explain to my kids, there's there's the trauma, there's sickness, addiction, but there's also choices. And so just, just you know, having that perspective that it's not black and white always. Yeah. I think that's how it's, I used to be a, a very black and white person. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was no grays. I very legalistic in my thinking and the way that I behaved, perfectionism. And then now I'm just like, like, yeah. I, I don't put God in a box anymore. And I, I look at people through the eyes of compassion that I might probably have never had. Yeah. And then I stepped into foster care in the system is very broken. Yeah. But looking at people as individuals who are in the system. Yeah. You know, you've learned to like, experience and see their story and understand why they're in there and not just put this judgment out or this declaration of who they are because of what's happened, but recognizing that it's, it's a result of, of different things that have happened and different uh, reactions to that as well. Um, So true. And I, I'm laughing because, you know, I used to have like in my mind what a foster family was and it's like things that I had seen on TV as a young kid. I grew up, in the eighties. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just imagined all these kids running around with dirty houses and people who were in it for the money, who were kind of creepy looking. This is my idea of what a foster family was. And now like, that's what I am. I mean, not like, not like that, but in it for the money, for sure. (laughs) I mean, for the money and I'm creepy looking. No. um, (laughs) So we're all my friends because we're all foster parents. No. No, but in all reality, like that's, that's not what a foster family, I mean, the most amazing people that I've met are are in this community. Yeah. I, I, you will occasionally meet that one person. You're just like, I would yeah. never send a dog to that house, let alone a child, but and you're not sure how they passed their home right. study, but those are very far and few between. And, and yeah. just like with biological parents, there are people who should never, ever have a chance to get those children back because of the horrible things they've done to them. But that is not the norm. The norm is the typical, the typical demographic of a person who loses their child is somebody who themselves have been through trauma. Right. Somebody who just doesn't have the support system and the coping skills to be able to parent healthy. And, and they, most of them love their children. Yeah. And absolutely don't want to lose their child. Yeah. That's been our stranger. That's been our experience as well. That it's, it's the, the norm is that the exception are those terrible stories you hear in those other moments. But, uh, but most of them love their kids and and want to do what's right. And, and most of the foster families are in it for the reasons of caring for the kids and, and their hearts and, and being that safe place. So, um, so you stepped into 
and created foster our community, right? That's yes. just meeting around your table at start to start with, and then has opened up to more. And now you've kind of merged in with Hope Bridge. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and kind of what you see things going forward a um, little bit. So we started off just a small group of us meeting at the kitchen table. And then we realized, okay, our license is expiring. What else can we do to serve families? And so we began to create public support groups where people who were invited to come. Um, and my church was very instrumental in helping me start a ministry um, before I actually launched a nonprofit. And we began to serve comfort and necessity bags to families when they received a placement. We would bring a gift card for a meal for the families and we would try to show up within 24 hours. And this was really just like a love work on my part. I, I was no longer taking in children. So I was, you know, gathering up my kids and putting them in the car and we would drive around and deliver bags to families. And it was all word of mouth. We didn't, you know, we weren't connected to an agency. We weren't like, we just started doing this by word of mouth and social yeah. media. And then we started to add social events to our calendar and provide a space for children and families to come uh, for free and just spend time with other families in the same space. And it's been huge to watch kids. You know, it got to the point where my kids didn't understand that most kids do not have two sets of parents, hmm. you know, and they'd say, what's, what's, what's their mom's name? You know, and say, so, so, well, what's their other mom's name? Cause you know, my kids knew that they had two moms. Yeah. They knew that me and my husband both had several sets of parents because of step and adoption and step parents and adoption. And then uh, what's their dad's name? What's their other dad's name? And then if somebody just had one mom or dad, they thought that was so weird. And I think it was just because we were with so many people whose families were very similar. And so that's been great, uh, but we functioned really on just a couple thousand dollars a year. Um, and a couple of other moms out in a, an area not far from us started a support group and we kind of joined forces and they were doing the same things. And, um, you know, about a, two years ago, um, we had served like a hundred, 150 families and just walking alongside families and seeing that while we were supporting them and encouraging them and we had this community, more there was more that needed to be done. Um, just the secondary post-traumatic stress, just the anxiety, just the grief that our families were carrying. I knew that I couldn't carry, as a small group of volunteers, we couldn't carry them well. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, we need some money because, you know, people donate items, people, do, the churches have donated money, but it was not enough. To, I mean, I was volunteer. We weren't paid. We, I mean, we had hardly any money. We just had enough to do all the events that we had. It was great. God provided but we need to help these parents more than we could. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, well, we're going to start needing to get some money somehow. How are we going to do this? And I, it was just like amazing the way, you know, I got this random text message from um, a friend who's in this space. She runs a nonprofit here locally. And she says, Hey, I want to introduce you to Lewis Yoder from the Christ foundation. And um, they have a heart for vulnerable children. And, you know, they have these, these plans and these ideas and, so Lewis and I sat down and, you know, I actually didn't really know where this was going to go. He just kind of shared some information and he asked me lots of questions. And I just thought, great, we're going to get like some money to help families get counseling. And, and that's where I thought this would leave. But then he invited me to a meeting he was having here and 
you know, regarding some planning that they were doing. And before you knew it, I was sitting there with them, helping them to create this mission statement for this new nonprofit that they were going to start up. And I had no idea that, you know, the following year we would all be planning a conference or that very year we would all be planning a conference, um, mobilize Ohio, and we would be starting up a new nonprofit hope bridge, um, with the intent that, we would not only serve foster and adoptive families and kinship families, but we would step into the space of intervention and do a single moms program and then look at restoration and what it meant to like step, step in and help maybe aging out youth. And all these, all these ideas that a lot of us moms would sit around the table and drink coffee and talk about when we first started, would it be cool if there was this thing that we could do or this thing that we could do? Yeah, You know, we would see these organizations doing these things. Wouldn't that be cool if that was here in our area and just to see that happen right before our eyes and to be part of it because of the connection that God did between the Christ Foundation and foster our community and our group of friends has been yeah amazing. Yeah, it's truly incredible. And and just seeing how, how God has moved in those spaces mm-hmm. and um, it's exciting because what's next, you know, oh, yeah. like where's, where are things going? And, you know, just trusting and remembering to stay rooted in, in what God's called us to and why we've started where we're at and continuing on that to to show God's love and serve people around us and, and yeah. just carry that on. And I'm so, I was so excited because a huge part of like that conviction that I had, like we need to do something was like, okay, I cannot carry these families. We need the churches to get involved, you know, really ultimately it's their job. And just to see how God has moved the churches, our local churches, to step in and help yeah. and even bring you on yeah. church engagement. I mean, <laughs> you're like a man in an office with a bunch of women. I like. am a man in an office with a bunch of women. <laughs> Things have changed, you know, drastically for me. So I used to work with all guys and like one woman and now it's flipped. So it's different, I mean, but it's okay. Someone's got to level the emotions out here. So no. <laughs> I I'm so sorry. I like I dropped your name. Like I think Brian would be great. So either that's a that was a good suggestion, or you hate me right now. But you know, no, it was good. <laughs> we are all good. I I am loving it. So it's been a good thing. So, um, real quick, any what are the biggest challenges in like the child welfare system, and and yeah. what is Hope Bridge slash even your part of caring for foster families, um. How are you guys stepping into that? You know, there's statistics out there that show 50% of foster parents quit within their first year being licensed. And a lot, a huge part of that is just the lack of support. Um, And I think that our goal is to be able to step in and provide that support for them. You know, we want them to know they are seen. They want them to know they're not alone. Like they can have that encouragement that they need. If it's something tangible that we can provide, do you need a, is it a car seat? Is it a bed? Is it a crib? Is it, you know, gift card for a meal? Is your family sick and you need, you know, somebody to come help provide dinner for you? Um, Just, just a way that they know that they're supported and, um, you know, providing, trying to help churches to get involved in the support group space. That's been huge. And respite nights and trying to get people to step into that and uh, linking arms with the county and, and seeing how that we can work alongside the county now and just, you know, what can we do to recruit more foster families, make them feel supported? Uh, you know, part of church engagement, what you do, and I'm sure you'll talk about is creating care communities through churches around these families. 
mm-hmm. having that support system that they need. Um, it's it's not an easy journey. I don't yeah. I don't Can't know do it people alone. know like it. I don't know that people really understand how challenging it, it is. You know, you wrestle with yeah. grief and and loss and the brokenness of the system and the lack of control as a parent. You know, because you know what's best for these kids when they're in your home and you see their yeah. needs, and yet you have absolutely no control over that. Um, but learning to teach our parents to, to have those relationships with the biological families, teach them to speak up and advocate yeah. and, and not sit back quietly. So it's just, yeah, I think we just want to help families to yeah. know they're not alone and, and be there for them. Yeah, no, a huge need and, and something that me and my wife have personally seen such a huge need and, and to benefit in that. And so um, how beautiful that is and then how we can return that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Real quick, just to wrap things up, uh, what are ways that people can get involved uh, with what you're doing and with us here at Hope Bridge? So you can follow us on social media at Hope Bridge, Ohio. That is a great place to start. Um, Even Foster Our Community um, is still out there on social media, so you can see a lot of things on there. Our website um, for Hope Bridge is hopebridgeohio.org. You can sign up to be a volunteer, check out what we're doing, Send us a message. We we love for people to say, hey, like, I'm not sure if there's a need for this, but I love to take pictures or I'm a car mechanic or you have some kind of talent or some type of um, passion and you want to step into the space and share that with with others. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Send us a message. Yeah. yeah, it said, you know, everyone can do something. Everyone right? can do something. We are not we will not all be able to be foster parents. Um but you can do something, you know, but don't be afraid to be a foster parent. That's what I could say. It's, yeah. it's a probably the the hardest but most rewarding um, thing that we've ever done. So I would never discourage somebody from doing that if they feel just a little bit of yeah. desire to do that. Yeah, and if they're if someone's a foster family and they want to get connected to a support group, follow yeah. the same social media, yeah. reach out. Yeah, we one. have social, uh, support groups listed on the website at uh, hopebridgeohio.org. Or again, send us a message. If you want to be involved, you want to start something up, maybe you're not local to us, but you're like, hey, like I want to do that too. I want to have, how can I get started? Reach reach out. You know, I, I'd be love to talk to you about how you can start something in your own living room if you want to and get support going for where you live. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thanks, Nicole, for uh, letting us peek into your story a little bit. And, uh, and for all that you're doing and how you've stepped into this space and, and just doing what you could and um, the difference it's made in our family and so many others um, is truly a blessing. And, and so I want to thank you guys for all tuning in, listening today. Um, seriously, we're, we want to be here for you and support you in whatever way we can. So reach out and uh, don't be a stranger. This Don't do this alone. Thanks.